Blog Talk Radio. Jean-Luc, Jordy Specs, Mysteries on the Holodecks, Asteroids, Triple Droids, Telepathic Betazoids, Transporter, Deadly Claw, Visitor from L.A. Law, Photons, No Kirk, Captain Has Gone Berserk, Shuttlecraft, Council Troy, Dr. Crush's Little Boy, Klingon Rights, Parasites, New Heights, Phaser Fights, Data's Head, Tasha's Dead, Wike is Hanging by a Thread, Celebration, Transformations, Everyone to Battle Stations! Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It's time for another episode of Trek Talking and Beyond. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And we got a great show planned for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery, of course, Forget Me Not. And we're also going to be talking about The Mandalorian, uh, Chapter 10, The Passenger. So our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Um, give us a call and share your thoughts on either one of those topics. We'd love to hear from you. 646-668-2433. We'll be here with you live for the next two hours. And with me, as usual, are my friends. And we'll start off with Eric. He's out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing very good, although I must say I'm I'm not used to this time change and how dark it is right now. Uh, it's only 4.30 my time, and, you know, it's pretty dark. And ah, I don't know. That adjustment to winter is always a little tough. But I have Star Trek to get me through. Yes, we do, and, and, and it's going to get us through. And we also have with us Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. I agree with the time change, Eric. But here in Vegas, we had mid-60s today, which means we're warming up a little bit from my little cold spell, but we're not as hot as we were. I actually had to spend my – I had to work at home today, so I spent my day on the patio. At least it was decent weather. I'm with Eric. I'm looking out my window, and it's the middle of the night. The street lights are on, and it is dark, and it's also cold. It's only 32 here in Vermont right now, so it's, winter is upon us. I think Leslie already had snow up in Saranac Lake, so there's always that. Now, listen, guys, um, if you'd like to follow us on Facebook, we'd really appreciate it. We just broke 22,000 followers. <laughs> We gain more and more each month, so thank you to each and every one of you guys. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Trek Talking and Beyond. Just spell that out, A-N-D, Beyond. Uh, go to Facebook, like, and follow us, and that way you'll never miss a show, and you can take place in all of our questions because we can't do polls anymore because the new Facebook decided to take that away from us for whatever reason. So um, I just ask questions that you can answer be part of the conversation and then we'll talk about them on the air. So maybe we'll pull your comment out and talk about it here on the air. So head on over there and like, and follow us on Facebook, Chuck talking and beyond all spelled out. And maybe we can be up to 23,000 by the time we talk next, who knows? Also, we can use your help keeping the podcast on the air. We do have a phone number, 646-668-2433 which allows us to have a two-way communication with you guys. And that costs some money. 
and uh, we could use your help. All we need, a dollar and a dream is all it takes, and you can head over to patreon.com backslash trektalking and just help us out with a simple dollar a month. That's all it takes. We have other tiers as well, but a uh, dollar a month with 22,000 of you out there, a dollar a month is really all it takes. It shouldn't be too difficult. Also, I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. I'll probably say it on every show because we're not doing uh, Star Trek news anymore. But Star Trek Discovery has been renewed for Season 4, and they have already started production. So Season 4 is underway. So congratulations to Star Trek Discovery. And by the way, Star Trek news will be back as soon as we get finished with The Mandalorian. We're doing Episode 2 tonight. We have six more weeks of Mandalorian, and then we'll be back to our Star Trek news segment. So don't you worry. And this is the part of the show where we go with our numbers around the globe. And for that, we turn to Eric. Take us away, Eric. Well, this week, as always, we have most of our listeners, about three quarters, coming from the United States because we broadcast from what uh, I like to think of as the triangle of power in (laughs) Vermont and Las Vegas and Portland. Uh, But we have a lot of international listeners, too, and uh, on top of our list is still uh, holding on to the same spot from last week, Australia, with 4.89% of our listeners. Thank you so much, Australia. So nice to have you along for the ride. Uh, In our number two international spot this week, we have the UK with 4.03% of our listeners, which I will tell you is up quite a bit from last week, a full 0.2%. So that's, uh, you know, pretty significant when you're talking about numbers of people. So thanks to the folks in the UK and thanks for the tiny surge that's going on. Let's see if we can't eclipse Australia next week. What do you say? Uh, In our number three slot, we always have to have somebody suffer when somebody succeeds. So here, holding on to number three, though, is Ireland with 3.22% of our listeners down just a skosh from last week. Uh, Norway, holding on to that number four spot with 2.58% of our listeners. Thank you, uh, friends from Scandinavia. And in our number five spot, we still have our brothers and sisters to the north, Canada, with 2.19% of our listeners, up just a teeny, teeny, tiny bit from last month, or excuse me, last week. So thank you to all of our domestic and international listeners. We appreciate every single one of you, and I can't wait to shout out some actual names coming up next. Jim. Yeah, so this is a part of the show where we already talked about all the great nations where our listeners are, but... How about the little places around the globe where you might be listening to us right now? So if you go over to our Facebook page and like and follow us there, you'll see the Live Long and Prosper symbol right at the top of the page. Just go there, tell us where you're listening to us from, and every week I pick 15 names off of that list. And if you see a little heart next to your name from Trek Talking, that means that your name is going to be called out on the next show. So you want to tune in and Hear your name called out for all the fans around the globe to know that you listen to Trek Talking and that you are a Star Trek fan. So we're going to start off our individual fan shout-outs, and for that we're going to turn right back to Eric, and he's going to get us started. All right. Our first fan shout-out this week goes out to Gino Huang from Huntington Beach, California. Thank you so much for listening to us, Gino. Good to have you along for the ride. We're also saying hello and a whole lot of thank you to Eric Van Devala from Belgium over there in Europe, all the way in Belgium. That's so cool. Thank you so much for listening to us, Eric. 
We're also saying hello and thank you to Maurice Bodicek from the Netherlands, in uh, also over there in, in Europe. Uh, so hello, Maurice, and thank you so much for listening to us. Paul R. Morale from the West Midlands in England, in Great Britain, one of those great UK listeners that makes up uh, our number two uh, international listening spot. One of you is Paul, so thanks, Paul, for listening to us. And also thank you so much to James Benke from Jamestown, North Dakota. You guys all rock. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Charles, who else is listening to us these days? Well, we got Jude Judith from Western New York, Craig Forgus from Australia Down Under, Greg Tubbs from High, Pennsylvania, Alisa uh, oh, Darrow Colombo from Piedmont, Italy. Oh, Italy. Nice. Tammy Goosden from Ontario, Canada. So, Jim, who else do we got? Well, uh, first of all, I want to send a huge, absolutely huge thank you to Donald R. Hansen from Jamestown, California, who says to us, Kapla, a man from my own heart. Must be a Klingon fan. Thank you very much, Donald. And kapla, right back at you. Also, Bob Wilson from Louisville, Kentucky, where they make the baseball bats. And Kath Bailey from Australia, the land down under. Good night, mate. And Simon Combe from Cornwell, UK. He's keeping the faith for us there to UK, hanging right in there. And finally, Sean Morin from Croat Springs, Louisiana. Thank you to each and every one of you guys for listening. We couldn't do the show without you, and we really, really appreciate your support. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. If you guys would like to hear your name mentioned, just head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Tell us where you're from. Look for the heart. If you see it, your name has been chosen, and you'll be on the show. So thank you very much. And this is where we do our birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. No, it was not, but we like it anyways. And usually we start off every week with our remembrances for the Star Trek people that are no longer with us anymore. And for the first time since I can ever remember doing this, um, Eric doesn't have a lot. And that's a good thing because that means that most of the people, actually the majority of the people that we're going to talk about tonight are still with us. So Eric, why don't you uh, jump in and and start us off with our uh, birthdays? Sure. Uh, yeah, this week we are only remembering two folks who would have had a birthday this week. Uh, we do miss them both. The first one we're going to talk about is Carl Steven, who played Spock age nine uh, in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. Uh, as you know, we get to see a lot of different Spocks in that particular movie, and the age nine Spock was played by Carl Steven. So remembering Carl uh, today, uh, who would have had a birthday this week, 
And, you know, this is always an interesting, since we have just a little tiny bit of time on this, I was going to say, do you guys remember how many people have played Spock in all of the, uh, in all of the Trek franchises? This is a good uh, trivia question. I'd have to say Nine. 11. Yeah, I think it's 11. I think that is correct. When you count in Ethan Peck uh, and all of the other folks, we get like four or five of them, I think, in Star Trek Three, and then a bunch from all of the other stuff. So uh, good little trivia question there. Uh, we're also remembering this week Thelma Lee, who played Kalest in uh, the TNG episode Sins of the Father. So just two remembrances this week. Uh, we missed them both, both Carl Steven and Thelma Lee. Uh, and now on to Charles with the folks who are still with us that had birthdays this week. Yes, Jim gave me quite a few good ones. We got Rebecca Wisaki. Wisaki, maybe? Wisaki. Yeah, it's Wisaki. Yeah. Wisaki played Radama in Picard. One mm-hmm. of the gals we just love to hate. <laughs> She's so strange and mysterious. Athena Massey. Athena Massey, who played Jensen on Voyager's Remember. Deborah Strang, Talara on DS9's Rules of Engagement. Alfred Woodard played Lily Sloan in Star Trek's First Contact. And then a couple I'm looking forward to, uh, I really like, Max Grodenchek, I believe is the pronunciation, who played Rom in DS9. Mm-hmm. And another one I love listening to talk is Robert Duncan McNeil, who played Tom Paris in Voyager. Yeah, we got a lot of, a lot of good ones this week. Yeah, a lot of good mm-hmm. also great listening to him on the podcast. He's yeah, got that you know, podcast he does with Pear, with uh, Anson Kim, and that's just a fun pair, fun podcast. Just to listen to those two reminisce about what happened in Voyager. They have a fun podcast. If you and want I to go back and watch a lot of episodes. Tom Paris often shows up as uh, one of people's favorite pilots in all of Star Trek fandom because he is able to kind of do things with that Voyager and, with, of course, with the Delta Flyer that a lot of other pilots are not able to do with their starships. So I always think I give him props for being a pretty darn good pilot. Yeah, definitely. And, of course, uh, he also the, – the first character he played was on the TNG, Thomas Locarno. In uh, in the uh, Quadrant episode of TNG, which I still don't know why they changed that entire character, why they didn't use that same character um, for Voyager, because that would have been awesome. But hmm. for some reason they didn't. But the, the Thomas Locarno had the same situation. Um, his father was an admiral. You know, he was thrown out of Starfleet. Blah blah blah. Um, and then they, they even had the same actor play the character, and then they just changed his name for some reason for Voyager. But that's cool. That's cool. Leaving, leaving the baggage behind, Jim. Leaving the baggage behind. Yep. 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 Did. 
fell in so, love. I fell in love also with Leslie's double. That's right. That's absolutely right. And uh, I'll wrap things up by saying happy birthday to Carolyn Seymour, who played two of my all-time favorite Romulans, Commander Taurus, in the TNG episode Face of the Enemy. That is such an awesome episode. So good. Where uh, Deanna Troy gets to show her teeth, and boy, can she bite. Excellent episode. TNG episode Contagion. Also, Norman Lloyd, who played Captain Picard's, um, uh, I don't know what you would call it, uh, protege? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe is the right word. Uh, Dr. Richard Galen in the TNG episode, The Chase. And I had to look this one up to verify it, but he's 104 years old this week. Unbelievable. And, uh, That's so cool. I-, I had to verify that one, and I had to verify um, – uh, the Stevens one for Spock age nine because I'm thinking to myself, Spock at age nine, how could he be dead? I'm still alive, and I was a lot older than nine when I saw that episode. <laughs> I had to verify that that we didn't make a mistake, and we did we didn't. Um, yeah, Norman Lloyd is 104 years old, so wow, happy birthday to Norman Lloyd. Now I've got some really really good ones coming up here. And uh, let's start off with Rebecca Romaine, who played Una, number one, on Star Trek Discovery and Strange New Worlds. She's also married to um, Commander Ransom from Star Trek Lower Decks. So we got two first yep. officers in the same household. So happy birthday. Yep. This next one is inconceivable. That <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank that you, his Jim. Birthday Thank you. <laughs> he, his birthday is the, and I finally saw that movie <laughs> I know I think that, I mean that for anybody who's new to the podcast that's a little saga we had going on forever here was Jim had never seen Princess Bride and he finally saw it not that long ago <laughs> yep so I, I saw it and it, it is totally inconceivable that he has a birthday the same day as Max Karanacek because uh, we're talking about Wallace Shawn, who played Grand Negus Zek on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And he shares a birthday uh, with his stepson, Max Karanacek. And I think that's just a weird coincidence. So happy birthday mm-hmm. to Wallace Shawn. Um, now, there's two more I have to talk about. I was going to, but I'm going to do them in a different order. So I always like to do the Klingons. And I got a good one on this one. One of my favorite Klingons, uh, Mary Chifo, who plays Chancellor Lorel on Star Trek Discovery. I, I love her character. I love Lorel. And I, I've never met Mary, but I've seen her on a lot of, a, a lot of shows. And, on, and I just love her. I would love to get an opportunity to meet her. And I really, mm-hmm. really hope, and hope, that we get to see her again on Strange New Worlds. Or maybe Section 31, depending on where Section 31 takes place, if it's going to be in the future or in the past. We don't know yet. But I definitely, because she has a really good relationship, possible relationship, with Captain Pike. And we saw that in the comic books that we were reading as well. And I would love to see them expand upon that and maybe lay some of the groundwork for what happens later on 
uh, w- with the Klingons in Star Trek VI. So happy birthday to Mary Chifo. And the next one, the final one that we have for tonight, um, I, I, you know, it's too bad he's not with us tonight. Usually he does. He calls. Um, but the Admiral himself, Ken Swenson, I've known him for, oh, my whole life. That's not accurate. But um, I've known him for most of my life. He's been around for every major event in my adult life, um, my wedding, all the Star Trek conventions that I ran, the birth of my daughter, uh, funerals. He's been there through all of it. And if it wasn't for Ken, I wouldn't be here right now doing truck talking because Ken's the one that got me all hooked up in this, in this podcasting addiction that I have. So um, I wanted to just take an opportunity on Ken's birthday um, to give him a shout out. And, Normally, we would sing happy birthday, but I got something a little special. This one is for you, Ken. Well, there's a punk in the alley, and he's looking for a bite. There's an Arab on the corner buying everything inside. There's a mother in the ghetto with another mouth to feed. Seems that everywhere you look today, there's misery and greed. I guess you know the earth is going to crash into the sun, but that's no reason why we shouldn't have a little fun. So if you think it's scary, if it's more than you can take, just blow out the candles and have a piece of cake. Happy birthday! That's Weird Al Yankovic singing happy birthday to you and a very happy birthday to my dear friend, Ken Swenson. And, guys, we have a caller on the line. Sweet. If I can get the thing, if I can get the thing to answer, come on, answer. There we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? It's Nate from Vegas. I was wondering when you were finally going to answer I've been here for a half it's an hour. Nate from, <laughs> it's <laughs> Nate from Vegas. <laughs> Nate from Vegas. Awesome. What's happening I was in Vegas here for tonight, all, Nate? Uh, well, now that I have completed in uh, a, a game of Star Wars Legion, uh, where I won on turn two by by playing the scenario, uh, I had time to uh, jump in and uh, call the show. Wow. You you won you you won the scenario? Yes, it was it was the separatists versus the clones and the clones had uh their brand new tank that had never been played before and uh I pretty much just tried to ignore that tank after I shot some rocket launchers with my B1 droids uh and did only one da- uh, point of damage to it, so I was like, "Well, uh time to play the scenario then." Um so yeah, yeah, those good times. Wow, that sounds awesome. I can't wait till we can get back back to Freakopolis and play some some uh, Legion game. That would be a lot of fun. But mm-hmm. man, I miss all that. It's just yeah, uh, yeah. But anyways, so uh, we're gonna. I noticed. Uh, I noticed Eric already made the correction to how many actors played uh, Spock in chat. I did. Yes. According to memory, Alpha, there were nine actors that no. played Spock. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I, I got that wrong. 
yep. we're going to have to take our first commercial break of the evening here, guys, for our listeners at Odyssey Radio. Just hang in there. We'll be right back with you guys. Uh, for the rest of you guys, we're going to hear a little ditty from a good friend of mine uh, who is going to tell you that to have, we have faith that you'll call. So run, don't walk to the refrigerator, grab something to drink, grab some chicken wings, and hurry on back because we're going to talk about the Mandalorian next, and you don't want to miss that. We'll be right back after this quick message. Maybe. Come on. There we go. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But your time is finally here You can feel the change in your thoughts right now Nothing's in your way And they're not gonna hold you down no more no, they're not gonna hold you down Cause we've got faith that you'll call We wanna hear what you have to say We've got faith to believe In just talking today You've got faith in your fingers All you gotta do is sound out You can reach us right now We've got faith and welcome back and we do have faith that you call and the phone number here is 646-668-2433 and you can call and join nathan on the line with us we would absolutely love to hear from you guys because we're about to talk about the mandalorian chapter 10 the passenger and for that i have to get you guys moved with a little mando music Lady, 
and Frog yeah. Lady has a glowing tube of, of eggs that she has to get to her husband who's on some planet orbiting some moon somewhere um, to fertilize these eggs or her whole line is going to die. And the trick is that they can't fly at warp speed. They have to go sublight. And Mandalorian doesn't want to do that because he has a, a price on his head, but he decides to do it anyways. And, of course, if he doesn't, the whole story won't unfold the way it does. So, so he does, and all kinds of bad, bad, bad things happen, and we have some fun. So who wants to start off? Uh, Nate, Nate, you want to start off with the Mandalorian for us tonight? Sure, I'll start off. Uh, first thing, one of the few things i got to say about it is Mama Frog needs to learn how to count her eggs a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was very yeah. shocked at, at at no time in the episode did she figure out that she was missing any. Uh, I would have thought that she would have known how many she she laid and that were in there. Uh, but yeah, that I don't I don't know uh, what happened there. Um, I did enjoy the the X wings showing up. It's nice to to broaden out the. Uh, the uh, the universe a little bit see see what's going on out there with some other governments other than uh, well we know that with Moth Gideon that the Empire remnant is still around but it was nice to know that uh, the New Republic uh, is out there doing stuff uh, patrolling making sure everything's safe for the peoples so that's that's my two I, I, two cents right now I mm-hmm. thought that was really cool. When, when Mando is sitting in the cockpit of the Razor Crest and he looks to the right and there's an X-Wing and he looks to the left and there's an X-Wing. And it reminded me, I almost expected to hear the Top Gun music playing and uh, the guy says switch over to Channel 2 and then all of yeah, a sudden he, he looks to the right and you see the <laughs> X-Wing pop open. He looks to the left, mm-hmm. the X-Wings pop open. And then the fun starts from there. And I yeah. thought that was so cool, the way they, they showed each one of the X-Wings uh, spread their wings and go into battle formation with their S-Foils. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, two, two more things and, and I want to say before you go to the next one. Um, the, uh, um, when, when he was on the ice planet and encountered uh, the creatures in the cave, um, when um, with uh, with Baby Yoda there uh, and going up to the eggs and the eggs first opened up, my immediate thought, and you already mentioned face huggers there just before your intro, uh, that was my immediate thought. I was like, oh snap, some face huggers from Alien are going to show up on on him right now and 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 go face hug Baby Yoda. Um, and then the the actual spiders, I think they reminded me of the spiders in the uh, MMO uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic. So I don't know if they might have like similar to how I believe they did with uh, the crate dragon. I'm wondering if they had some influence from Swotor, Star Wars: The Old Republic, uh, for those spiders. Now, I wish I had dug it out of the closet. But there was a, a West End Games uh, Star, uh, Star Wars tabletop miniatures battle game. And those yeah. spiders were actually in the game. And I have a figure of one of those okay. spiders. And on the bottom of it, it tells you the name of the spider, uh, what they were called. Um, but I just don't know where it's buried in the closet. But 
Yeah, those, those those are actual spiders from Star Wars. I just don't know from where. Um, but yeah, those are. They weren't created for the episode. They got them from something else. Like you said, probably a video game, if I had to guess. Yeah. Which is something I really like about the about the Mandalorian is that a lot of the stuff that you you see and you hear uh, becomes canon when they as soon as they put it in the show, which is really really neat. But you're yeah, right that, though, uh, you're right, Nate. The, the frog lady needs to count her eggs because I don't know how many Baby Yoda ate. I think we saw him <laughs> eat three, maybe that we saw. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I including I, I think at the end more there. than that. <laughs> yeah, I think he chowed down on more. Not a very good mother. No, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 not. And, and why? Why did she leave the ship and go trekking off through the wood, through the snow, into a cave, get naked, dump, jump into this pool, and then just float around in there with her eggs? I mean, that makes no, absolutely no sense because. I was expecting a wampa to come out of there or something, you know? Oh, I think oh, yeah. she laid more eggs. I think she found a nice warm pool, and I think she actually laid more eggs. I don't think she got the eggs. You think they? she got the eggs out of the backpack and put them in the pool? Because he put them back in. Yeah. I thought she laid more. Okay. Well, then maybe that makes more sense. But they did talk. she did talk about how warm it was, and for as cold yeah. as it was all around them, maybe she just felt like the babies needed to be toasted up a bit. That could be, that could be, but um, yeah, it was it, it was neat though. It, it absolutely was really cool. And uh, during the chase scene when the X wings were going after uh, the Razor Crest, it reminded me of Beggars Canyon back home. Did anyone get that Beggars Canyon feel? Yeah, I have From, to tell you um, that that whole dogfight scene was pretty awesome. It was a combination of Beggars Canyon and then some an obvious like Top Gun-esque moment and then some just really fancy flying. I love that ship of his. It's so darn sturdy, man, because he runs into a lot of stuff with that ship, and somehow that little puppy just holds together. Um, I, I mean, that ice he was busting through was no joke, right? Uh, yeah. and, it, and that thing flew to, So it's made to go in space. It's made to go in Atmo. It's made to apparently fall 50 feet and crash and pretty much be okay at the end of the day. So it's <laughs> a sturdy little ship. But I have to tell you that uh, well, I this episode was so funny, Jim. It had so many things in it that were just made me giggle. And I mean, some of it was a little disturbing, like little baby Yoda eating the eggs of a sentient species. But, <laughs> but also the thing at the very beginning where he, you know, he gets flipped off his bike uh, he has to, he gets kind of corralled by this uh, little, almost like Jawa-esque thing, but it had kind of a metal mask on that is going to kill Baby Yoda if he doesn't get what he wants. Um, and he, you know, trades him his jetpack, and then, of course, shoots his jetpack up into the air, and, and the guy drops from the sky. That just was like, it was like the greatest combination of Star Wars and slapstick humor, I thought. <laughs> It just had to well, I thought it was great free credit scene. <laughs> I thought it was great when um, the Mandalorian was taking on the two evil dudes, and the little guy with the metal mask shoots his uh, I don't know what 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 was that thing a, a bow at him or something? 
some type and of grappling hook it. or something. Yeah. yeah, the grappling hook, and he kind of rips the rips the rifle out of his hand and ducks, and the rifle hits both the guys and knocks them out. I yeah. thought that was funny. Classic Mando but, um, fight techniques. Why, you know, why didn't he take, they showed him walking across the desert. Why didn't he take their vehicle? I mean, well, they, they had to get out there. Well, that's true. They didn't show that they had a vehicle, though, and, you know, those, those. I mean, who knows? They could have been living on the I mean, they had to get somewhere. out in the middle of the desert somehow. They, 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 were, just, they were dropped off by a bus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were probably ah, dropped it. off by one of those big jungle crawlers. Yeah, CDTA just dropped them off there. What did you think about this one, Charles? Well, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was the fact that <clears throat> we didn't start with, okay, new episode, new location. The one thing about getting that trap in there was the fact that he started off where he, he he moved on where it started where the last episode left off. He was on Tatooine. He was he stayed on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good way of handling that one. Of just let's move keep moving on. Let's not start somewhere brand new. Let's move on from where we left off. Uh, that was a good one. I also think that. Mana needs to work on finding more food for Baby Yoda. Yeah. Not only was he eating frog eggs, oh look, this nice big tube. I'll eat what's in it. Oh, well lighter. they were they were shiny, you know. The the water <laughs> it was sitting in was all shiny. Uh, just imagine an yes, I know he's fifty years old, but just imagine. Uh, infant to a toddler of a human is going to be acting the same kind of way when it sees something shiny. Uh, it yeah. uh, an infant usually eat, uh, tries to eat marbles. Oh, there's a nice shiny little uh, thing. I'm going to pick it off the ground and eat it. So uh, I don't know why. Uh, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but I guess they're getting a lot of flack about that on the on the yeah. Twitterverse and such um, about. Yoda, the child, eating all those eggs. But I, I, I think uh, baby Yoda acted exactly as a child would act when seeing shiny things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And you actually see him in this episode kind of stick his nose in the air after he is scolded for trying to eat the eggs one more time. And that's when he goes and he finds the little face huggers to eat instead. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. then, of course, leads to yet another big adventure scene in this thing. I will say, you know, you don't watch this show right now for character development. You watch this show right now for awesome adventure and for um, and for humor too. I think that they've been a, doing a pretty good job of continuing to throw that Star Wars humor into it every now and then. Um, y- y- you know, I was excited last. Uh, season to kind of like unmask the Mando and to learn more about the Mandalorians around him and that kind of stuff. These first two episodes have been great. They have not moved his story forward one bit. They've just kind of been one shot, you know, cool, fun stories. Um, We haven't learned anything about his character. So I don't know if that's a criticism from a Star Trek fans perspective or not. Um, because it is very Star Warsy, and I do love it for what it is. There's, there's no question. 
but we're certainly not getting any uh, new information about Mando yet. And I kind of am thirsting for some. Well, to answer that question from a Star Trek fan's perspective, I don't watch Star Wars for any – I don't expect character development in Star yeah. Wars. I mean, it, it, never, it never had it. I mean, I, I grew up watching – and now when I say, okay, I'm old. <laughs> okay, I'm old. When, when, when I say Star Wars, okay, I'm talking Star Wars, A New Hope. There was no New Hope. There was no episode four. It was just Star Wars, period. Star Wars. There was none of this other. It was just Star Wars. Well, when you go back and you look at the original three movies, there wasn't a hell of a lot of development of the characters in those movies either. But we loved them anyways, and that's not why well, I went to see Star Wars. So I don't. I, I went a down lot and you of, with. Go ahead, Jim. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in when I, you're done. I don't really expect a ton of of character development. I just want to have some fun see some action and have some adventure and enjoy it and, and not have to worry about all the other stuff that, that goes along with it, you know, but star Wars was a movie and it, it's difficult to get a lot of character development when you only have two hours to tell an entire story versus, you know, a weekly episode. But I think, I think, there's going to be a lot more coming up because I know there's a lot of characters that are going to show up that have not, we have not seen yet. So we'll just have to wait and see. So you don't believe in that, uh, uh, Luke's story, even, even confined into just his, his story in the first movie. You don't think that, that, uh, informs you of the character of Luke Skywalker? If you're just taking Star Wars and not Empire or Return of the Jedi, because I think that's what you're talking about is just just character development within the one movie. Yeah, within Star Wars, right? Just just Star Wars. So you don't think his uh, Luke Skywalker as a character, you didn't find out enough about him. There wasn't character development with him. Oh, I think he was just a whiny a whiny teenage <laughs> farm boy that just longed for adventure and that was pretty much the whole thing but I didn't mind, that didn't bother me didn't okay. bother me one bit um, and then of course we find out later on you know, Luke I am your father search your feelings, you know this to be true blew my mind absolutely, but up to that point no, I just went to see it because I like the lightsabers and the X-Wings and the TIE Fighters and Darth Vader and the breathing and all the cool stuff, the droids I mean, that was the first movie that really excited us like that. So, yeah. But listen, guys, we have a caller on the line. Another one. If I can get this thing to work, why won't this thing work? Hello, hello. There we go. Good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Uh, my name's Christy. I just want to hey, you you guys Christy? talk. I'm doing good. How are you? We're we're pretty good. We really appreciate you calling. Oh, thank you. <laughs> is this is this Christy Cummings? Yes, it is. Excellent. I, you know what? I, it's great to hear your voice. I see you posting on our Facebook page all the time, and I read all your comments, I and I like them. 
and it, to actually hear your voice, I, it, I I love the fact that now you're a real person. <laughs> Not that you weren't before, <laughs> but... Um... <laughs> yeah, I love your song. It's great. Well, thank well, you. thank you very, very much. Christine, have you, have you been watching Mandalorian, Christine? I have. I watched the first episode. I haven't got to watch the second one yet, but I'm meaning to. I'm going to do it here pretty soon. But I have watched all of the episodes of Discovery. Ooh, uh-huh. we're going to talk about that next. We're, we're, we're just yep. about to talk about that. Now, we're not going to talk about the uh, episode that was on today, the one that was just on today. Okay. We won't we All won't right. be talking about that one because uh, some of our viewers don't get a chance to see it until Friday, and so we we like to leave that for next week. But we but we will talk about last week's episode tonight. Okay. Absolutely. So we'd love to hear your thoughts yeah, I, I, on that. Watching it, yeah, a lot of great well, stuff Jim, going on. Jim, before we go on The Mandalorian, I just wanted to mention two other, and spoiler alert, Christine, sorry, but we're talking about this episode tonight. No, <laughs> but that's there were okay. two other, okay. There were two other scenes that I just thought were really magical, honestly, in this episode that, that just made me smile. One was the, the scene that I was just talking about where Baby Yoda is kind of scolded for trying to eat one of the eggs one more time, and then he goes and he finds those little... Uh, whatever they are, a little egg sack uh, uh, things <laughs> that he ends up eating the little face huggers out of. And the reason I love that scene so much is because of the soundtrack. When he starts, when he's scolded and he wanders away and he starts to go look through those things and wander through them, did anybody else catch that it was almost like a, um, it was almost like a Nightmare Before Christmas type soundtrack. It was very Christmassy, but had kind of a creepy edge to it as he's wandering through those things. I thought of you, Jim, because I know how much you like soundtracks. I thought you probably got the feeling of that moment as he's kind of wandering. <laughs> it did. It, it, it sounded like a Jack Skellington type of uh, uh, feel to yeah. it. You know, like a, like yeah, a, a Burton type um, but I, I did, I did think of face huggers though. We were watching yeah. and I looked at Jamie and I said, "Oh no, they're face huggers." And then he started, and he started <laughs> peeling it open just like a face hugger. And I was like, "Oh no, no, don't ruin that! Please don't ruin this for me." And they did, and it, it turned oh, out not to be a face hugger, but it was just as bad. No. <laughs> you know, it was just as bad. But Baby Yoda was was okay. He was okay in the end, and. So, yeah, I just love that scene because it was like Christmas morning, um, but creepy Christmas morning. Um, so one of my favorites in the show. And then the other one um, that is kind of a minor scene, but I loved it because it was so it was so tropey and so stereotypical that it just cracked me up, and I loved it, was the whole him fixing his ship scene. You know, they've kind of got this, like, active music playing, and he's got the torch out, and he's fixing these things. And honestly, like, this entire series all along the way could have been titled, you know, Mando has a very bad day because I feel like every single one of these episodes is just another instance of how bad of a day can this guy have and how much of a badass is he for being able to make his way through these, through these days, you know? Um, Well, I, I, I do want, I do, I don't know if it's a complaint or it's just something I noticed, but um, as I was watching this episode, I immediately started thinking, of the Star Wars, I'm sorry, Star Wars, 
of the Star Trek Kelvin movies and how in every single movie the Enterprise gets destroyed and how I'm sick and yeah. tired of them using the Enterprise and just destroying it and then it shows up again in the next movie and then they destroy it again. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I want to see an episode where the Razor Crest doesn't get damaged, doesn't get destroyed, and doesn't have to get fixed because <laughs> I lost, I mean, what is this, like, what, the third or fourth time that he's had to fix the ship in, in, in 10 episodes? Like the, the third or fourth time it's been completely destroyed almost, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I, I'd like to see them do something different than than destroying the ship, although I do agree with you. When the giant spider was driving its spikes through the through the ship, I'm like, well, how are they going to get out of this? And then you see yeah. the laser blast, and, and the giant spider's dead, and, and he goes outside, and who's there to save the day? But uh, everything guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and showed I, up. that was my final. That was my final call on this episode. Was that those guys in their X-wings showing up and saving the day, and then also letting Mando go, and just kind of being like. All right, kid. Just make sure you turn your transponder on. <laughs> yeah, because Nathan was talking. Saved... Nathan was talking about them being kind of the local government, and it's cool to see that the New Republic is like has cool people like that. You know, they're like, okay, this guy has a warrant for his his arrest, and he helped these people, and he did this other good stuff, and so he's not somebody we need to bring in. That was super cool. Yeah, and he's. He says to him, "Well, what if I give you what if I give you the the uh, bounty on these three guys?" And the, yeah, and they're the like, "No, we don't need to be bribed, dude." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you don't need to give us no money. That's cool. And yeah, yeah. I'm like, I thought yeah. it was it was cool how they found him too. I know. You know, because well, they flew right by. You heard? Yeah, as soon as you heard those laser blasts, you knew that they were back because they had that stereotypical rebel sound to them, right? That. I can't even make the sound, but you know the sound I mean. When you hear that particular sound of laser blast, you know there are some rebels slash New Republic at this point uh, dudes in the in the vicinity. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was a really cool scene, and uh, and the X wings looked spectacular too. I thought oh. I thought they did yeah. a really good I, job with with the X wings. They looked so good, and the the pilots, like you said, the pi- the rebel pilots were were awesome too. They were like, cool. They're like, Hey, yeah, dude, no problem. You know? And, and they let him go, which was really neat. I mean, that so, shows trust. And I think it shows, I think it shows like a benevolent government, you know, it's a government that's like, okay, this guy has a past and yet he seems like he's doing good things right now. So we're going to trust that he's going to turn this transponder on so we can actually track him. And also we're just going to let him go right now. I think that's cool. Yeah, exactly. I, I just oh, – oh, I, I, uh, before, we, before we run out of time here, let's go around. Uh, we got just about two minutes before we have to close out this segment and talk about Star Trek. So let's go around the room real quick and score the episode. Nate, what would you give this episode in a score of 1 to 10? Oh, let's see here. Um, I've been pretty happy with the Mandalorian all episodes so far, so I I would give it the nine or nine point five in there. Nine point five, cool, excellent. And how about you, Charles? What would you give it? Ah, uh, let's go about an eight point five. 
Wow, you must be reading somebody my mind. Feed, that yo- somebody needs to feed Baby Yoda. <clears throat> yeah, I, I kind of agree with, I think they got the Baby Yoda eating everything in sight. I know he's an infant, but, um, you know, when he ate the frog last season, and that was cute, and then he spit it out. Uh, then he was trying to eat the marble, the, 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 the shifter on the razor crest, and that was cute. But um, if they take it too far, it won't be cute anymore. So I, I don't want to see Baby Yoda running around eating too much stuff too often, or it won't be cute anymore. <laughs> um, but, he reminds me but of, yeah, I'm right do you remember? You, I, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, he reminds me of the character Nibbler from Futurama. I don't know if you watch Futurama or not, but there was this little pet that Leela had that was called Nibbler. And he basically was this little tiny three-eyed thing that would wear a cape, and yet he could eat the most giant things around him. And I, I almost, you know, wanted to make a joke earlier about why didn't they just send Baby Yoda after the crate dragon? Like he probably could have taken care of that. <laughs> he could have munched on it. And uh, you get to you get to bring up the caboose on this one, Eric. Uh, what would you give the Mandalorian a score of one to ten, with ten being the best? I just had so much fun in this episode, honestly. Like, I thought it was kind of just almost on the edge of ridiculous and yet totally awesome and Star Wars-y and very adventure so I loved it. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine, solid nine, just really good. Wow, so we're, we're all pretty much in the, same, in the same area. Cool. So listen, guys, we have to take our second commercial break of the evening for our listeners on Odyssey Radio. But we're going to be right back, and we're going to dive into Star Trek Discovery, Forget Me Not, which uh, a lot of great stuff to talk about. We're going to go through the fan scores first, and then we're going to dive in and talk about it ourselves. Don't touch that dial. Run, don't walk to the refrigerator, because you don't want to miss anything. But first, we have to hear from my buddy TJ over at Freakopolis Geekery, and then we'll be right back. Thanks for listening, guys. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Freakopolis Geekery, the premier upstate New York comics and game shop. Centrally located between Saratoga Glens Falls, Ticonderoga, and Rutland, Vermont, the Geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans. For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modiphius, Star Trek Away Team Zero Clicks, and of course, Star Trek Attack Wing Ship-to-Ship Tactical Combat for the Tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, you'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And we're back. So Freakopolis Geekery still doesn't have the permission of the great state of New York to run in-person games. So TJ's doing them all over Discord. So if you guys want to play some D&D over Discord, head on over there, tell DJ I sent you, and he'll hook you right up, and you can have some fun playing online gaming until we can get back in person, play some Legion, do some Armada, and have some fun. But Unfortunately, that's the best we can do right now. So we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. We're going to be talking about Forget Me Not. And uh, this is the episode where they take Adira to Trill. And, of course, to get you guys in the mood, of course, 
We're going to play a little bit of Discovery theme song for you guys. Jeff Russo is brilliant because one of my pet peeves is music. I think music is so important to, to any uh, media that you're watching. You, you've got to have music that matches the mood of what you're seeing on the screen. And Jeff Russo is, I think is a master at that because although he's writing all new music for all these new Star Trek shows, he knows just when to throw in that familiar beat here or that familiar wherever where it needs to be that just immediately puts you right right where you need to be so i love jeff russo and i love what he's doing with star trek so awesome so forget me not the uh discovery after the disappointment of finding earth and earth not being what they expected it to be they go off to find the federation but first, they have to take Adira, who's their newest crew member, to Trill because she has a Trill symbiote inside of her, and she needs to access the memories of Senatal, who was an admiral in Starfleet, so that they can find out where Starfleet is. And that's where our story picks up, with Discovery going to Trill to get that information. And uh, before we get started, you guys can head over to our Facebook page and you can answer our question and tell us what did you think about tonight's episode of Discovery? And I always pick five or six uh, names and we read them off on the air so that we can get a feel for what the fans thought about it because we, we really like to hear what you guys think. It's not just about us being talking heads. And then we'll talk about it and see how close we are to how close the fans thought. So for that, we're going to start off with Eric and uh, see what some of our fans thought. Sure. Uh, so we'll start with TJ Schwartz, who gave this episode a two. Uh, Hayden Richards gave it a 10. Really good episode. James Benke said eight. It was a very good episode, and I enjoyed it a lot. James Peacock said it was a great episode, 10 out of 10. Kelly Gwynn Long 
said nine. And Kalinda Hoff said eight. Feels like they hurt us about not getting to know the bridge crew enough. Honestly, I'm really starting to enjoy this show. And Jesse McDermott said two. It keeps getting worse. Charles, who else commented on this episode? Gail Porter gave it a 30. <laughs> Out of 10. Matthew yeah, Nelson you... gave it a 4. <laughs> Julian Phillips, 8. I really think Discovery has found their stride now. <laughs> Matt Robertson gave it a 10. Tom Cooper, solid 8. Was a clever episode. Matthew Hughes said 10. And Nova Lee Riviera said, I love this episode tonight. Yeah. And what do you, what's your, what's your group say? Well, my group um, started off with Darren Walker, who gave it a two. Long-winded, and the story seemed to be filler. Was not needed. Bloody spore drive gets them places way too quick. LOL. Paul Davidson gave it a four and said it dragged on. John Rothwell gave it an 8.5. Adam Mitchell gave it a 6.5. James Albert Johnson II gave it an 8. Ryan Ladd gave it a 10. And uh, finally, Jeannie Kensel gave it an 8. So if you guys would like to hear your name and your uh, assessment of tonight's episode called Die Trying on next week's show, head over to our Facebook page and give us a score and tell us what you thought, and maybe you'll be on the show next week. So uh, why don't we dive right in, and let's start off with Christy. Uh, What what did you think about the episode? Well, ladies can go first here tonight. I loved it. I thought it was great. I loved it, it was, um, I, I, to access her memories, and then all five people came forward. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that, I I thought that was um, was something that we never got to see really. With with um, we did it a little bit, but we never got to see a lot with with Dax. We didn't get to see the whole a lot of that. We got to see a little bit of Curzon, and we. We heard her talk about yeah. how um, McCoy had the hands of a surgeon, and um, she took the blood oath and went went with Kor and and uh, Koloth uh, after the albino. Um, and even when Jadzia died and Ezri came, we did really get to see that whole joining thing and what actually happens and how how it transpires, like we did in this episode. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was great. And something else that I liked was when they get to Trill and the the grand leader, the grand, uh, I forgot her name. Was it Kay? I don't remember. Or was it Z? Uh, she, she was the main guardian. No, the other, the man was, was Z. I can't remember the main woman's name, but she was called the guardian. Yeah, the guardian was like, this is abomination. You guys need to leave. But uh, Z was like, yo, dude, let's, like, chill. You know, we, we can help them. And and uh, later on, they got jumped. And uh, 
Michael put a hurting on them in a hurry. And then Z shows up and takes them to the pool of Jamaharon or whatever the name of that, that pool was. And uh, she goes in there and then we get to see all the tendrils. I thought that was so cool. You know, when I was watching it with my daughter, Jamie, and uh, she said, she says, well, are those, are those like the, the memories of, of all the, of the, of the symbiont trying to reach out to her? And I said, yeah, that's exactly what they are. Those are the memories of all the past hosts trying to communicate with the new host to bring her into the family, which, which I thought was awesome because we never really got to see how that happens or what it means with, with Chad Zia. So I thought that was just, just so cool. And particularly yeah, at the end when uh, she says, uh, when the grand lady says, well, you know, you keep, keep track with us and let us know what's going on. And maybe someday when the Federation is back, we can talk about another joining and they, they want to come back to the Federation. And I thought, wow, that is really, really cool. I enjoyed it. And, I don't uh, understand where yeah. the six and the four is coming in at because it, it's been such a, it's been so good. It has. And, um, I, I thought it was really good when, when they showed, um, Gray and Adira together. And, um, I thought they were such a good couple and you could just, you, you, you felt so sad for her at her loss when, when, I don't know, that ship exploded. Was that the burn? No, it couldn't have been the burn because that would have been no, ago. No, it was like, it was like an asteroid that hits it or something. They, you look outside the window and something hits the ship and causes the damage. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it wasn't the burn, but um, anyway, no, you, you just you could, was recent. Yeah, you could yeah. feel, you could just feel the, you 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 felt for them. I think she is such an excellent actor. Um, the one that plays Adira is is incredible. I re- she, she reminds me of Jadzia Dax. She's got that. She carries herself, I think, like Jadzia Dax did. She's very confident. She's very sure of herself, and I really, really like her character a lot. Um, so I was very pleased with how they developed her. Now, the character of Gray, who was actually the Trill, I'm still a little bit perplexed at to how is that character there? Oh, uh, yes, me too. Yeah. Um, that's a now, that's a very interesting thing because remember in that very last scene Gray says you didn't tell her about me and Adira's like I'm not sure she would believe me. And then she's like how are you here and Gray says I don't know. How's this supposed to work? I don't know. And so it does seem that there's some sort of deeper connection that's not just a trill reference back to the past here but there's some sort of special thing happening. And I'm not sure if it's because it's a human host maybe, or if it's because they had this special kind Ooh. of intim- intimate connection also, and then they ended up sharing a host. Maybe there's some sort of special connection there, but I am very interested in what's going on um, with that thing, because Gray is apparently going to be a character on the show, although they died, uh, uh, you know, a while ago. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Now, is, is, is Gray going to be a character on the show like that, um, <sighs> like Tilly had um, 
the mycelial mm. network uh, person there mm-hmm. that only Tilly could see. Uh, is Gray yeah. just going to kind of be I mean, like, so. like Patrick Swayze in The Ghost? Yeah, I I'm think wondering. So. A point of reference because, you know, somebody you can, yeah, I mean, we are going to find out. That's right, Charles. And it's, you know, somebody we can, we can touch back to. I, I think it's such an interesting concept that they're exploring right now because the, the true symbiote has now been inside two different people who were also then independently interested in each other. And that is not a thing that we have had happen before in Star Trek. So mm-hmm. I'm very interested in kind of how they, how they play that out, you know? And I, yeah, I don't know. Their whole relationship is fascinating to me. Well, didn't, um, I'm, I'm reaching way back in my, my feeble old brain here, digging through all the dust and cobwebs, but on Deep Space Nine, didn't Jadzia say, I, I, I'm, there's a, a line sticking in my head where a disassociation, where the, the, the symbiont is not allowed, or the, the host is not allowed to associate with the symbiont's previous um, uh, host or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Is that, so, yeah, I think, uh, I, I yeah. think. You, you might be onto something, Eric, because um, I remember Dax saying that, and so maybe you're onto something because because the symbiont was in Gray first, and Gray had a relationship with Adira, and then later Gray died, and the, the symbiont went into Adira, who who still had a relationship with Gray. Maybe that's how the symbiont. Maybe that's why there's a connection there that normally wouldn't be there because that would never be allowed. You, you might be onto that's something. Right. That's right. I think. And the other thing that I I will say that I don't quite understand, and maybe you guys can shed some light on this, but the the folks who are on Trill there, um, they actually say that, you know, uh, once the Guardian Z guy, you know, leads them to the pool and Adira goes through her kind of process and Michael's there to help her along, um, you know, they, they do say that she's the future of Trill. And I'm and I don't I'm trying to understand what the problem is on Trill right now. Do they not have enough hosts? Is that the issue? And the future of Trill is that now we can join with humans? Or there, there was just that part of this episode that I didn't. It, it seemed very meaningful to the to the guardians, um, you know that that Adira was here and that she was a human host. But I don't understand why. I don't understand why, why that makes the future for Trill brighter. Does anybody else have any insight on uh, that? Yes, they did. That, they did admit the fact that many of the Trill population was lost due to the burn, and I think they did say that they were they were lacking hosts. Okay. And yeah, maybe, they I, think, I think maybe the fact that they're realizing maybe there's a possibility that a trill could live in a – that the symbiote could live in a non-trill host. Yeah. And if that were to yeah. be true, their population could grow beyond just their own population. So once again, the theme new, is kind of – yeah, the the theme is kind yeah, of mixing with trill. other folks and and bringing that concept out. You know, in Star Trek here, they're 
they're trying to show how working together, in, especially in season three here, how working together can bring the Federation back and how kind of getting together and trying to do like things together is the future way. And so I see that now. Yeah, you're right, Charles. This is another episode that sort of reinforces that, right? If we include these other people, then yep. our society will grow and prosper. Okay, I got it. And we're not yeah, going to have... The, the symbiont didn't last too have... long inside of Riker. When, when they put it in Riker, it didn't even last 10 minutes. No, no. Well, it had, the symbiont has to accept the host, right? Yeah. So what did you guys well, think I about thought Krill? In that TNG episode that uh, they with Riker that they discovered that the that they couldn't survive in humans at all, no matter who the that's human what, host was. That's well, what they I think said, that's and the, that's why they re, they referred to her as an aberration uh, because it wasn't right. possible, but it was. Now it is possible, right? Right. So now I think we know. Like the updated canon is that the Trill symbiote effectively either chooses to accept or not accept the host, and that maybe the race of the host matters less than they thought in the past. Yep, that could be. What did you What did you think about uh, Trill, Christine? Did you think that the Trill looked like what you imagined it would look like? Yeah. It did. And so did the pool. What did did you think about the flying fish that were jumping around in the pool and then just flew away (laughs) into the sky? (laughs) That was different. That was pretty cool. Yeah. No, that caught me off guard. I'm I'm like, wow, they they gave the term a flying fish a whole new meaning. (laughs) It just just flew away. (laughs) It was jumping out of the pool, and then it just said, hey, I'm leaving now and just flew away. I was like, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> but it, w- it was cool to thrill finally after all these years, I thought. Well, I truly, I think there is an episode in DS9 where yeah. they did visit the pool. I don't remember what happened in the episode, but I know Jadzia yeah. did visit the pools once. Yeah, there's actually two episodes of DS9 where Jadzia Dax goes to the pools. Um, there's a DS9 episode called Equilibrium uh, where she goes to the, the pools for the first time because she's experiencing some problems with the Dax symbiote. And then uh, in season, I think it's four or five, there's another episode called After Image um, where she goes back to the caves um, when she is considering leaving uh, Starfleet. There's that whole uh, story that kind of happens. So yeah, we have there's seen the also case one episode. Um, sorry, go there's ahead. also an episode in DS9 where she's temporarily able to release all of the hosts into different crew members. And mm-hmm. She's able to speak to each of the different uh, personalities. Yeah, which is interesting because in this episode you get the sense that if you go to the pools, you can kind of go back and and this is the way to access all of your previous hosts, right? I, I think that even if uh, Adira were Trill, she would have needed to come back and kind of get into these milky pools and have her bio whatever uh, monitored 
by that little machine that cracked yeah. uh, when she got when she got pulled under. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's an it, it was cool to see those caves. I don't think that in the DS9 episodes they had played with the idea of the cave walls being so bioluminescent, which was really cool uh, in this episode. It kind of gave them a really neat look. Um, it was interesting because I watched this episode with my wife, who's not a Star Trek fan, uh, but she's been watching Discovery with me all along the way. And when the moment when a deer kind of gets pulled under the the milky water uh, to kind of you know go on her, I guess mental mental journey that uh, that Michael joins her on, she gasped. You know, she was like, "Oh my God, what's going on?" <laughs> and I don't know how long they were down there, um, but I did like that idea that Adira needs somebody as an emotional guide. Somebody was saying earlier that Adira has a lot of confidence. And I think when she comes in in episode one as a, uh, you know, future person who's kind of, you know, in this uniform and has some authority, I mean, she's only 16 years old, but she's kind of tough. I think in this episode, they show her vulnerability and her uncertainty uh, about the symbiote inside of her. And I, I really like that because it gives Michael a reason to be her, kind of shepherd even though they both don't really understand what's going on with the symbiote so i just i i like that part of this episode the whole michael adira relationship and how that plays out now uh, i want to ask i want to ask christy what did you think about dr colbert's part in this episode Mm. he he's actually seems to be doing a lot more than he did in the previous season yeah, I agree. And I also agree with what um, he was just saying a few minutes ago about her being vulnerable in those few moments. Um, that she didn't know what was going to happen and stuff. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she um, if I remember correctly, she, uh, what was it? She, she, she volunteered for the Earth Defense Force because she was looking for a Federation ship that could that could get her off the planet, which I think was Senatol's plan. And then she found Discovery, yeah. and then she decided she wanted to stay with the Discovery crew. Isn't that but, interesting? Uh-huh. Even though she she can't actually access the memories that she has, she had this drive to find a Federation ship, which I think is very interesting. So it just kind of goes to show that, you know, the symbiote uh, and the Trills have had a long-standing relationship that's lasted millennia, humans and the symbiotes don't have that kind of history. And so it takes them a little while longer to kind of figure out how to work together and how to communicate information. And, you know, it turns out you need oh, to go yeah. back to Trill and go to the pools <laughs> to really get this. Yeah, stuff. which was awesome. And mm-hmm. I really like Dr. Colbert is kind of becoming the Deanna Troy, the counselor role. Um, he's talking to people about their emotions and things and he's full. And I, I really like the role yeah. that he's taken so far. Uh, more than just a doctor, which I think is great because I think he's setting the tone. Well, now he's in the future. But at the time, I think he would have been setting the tone for a ship's counselor to eventually be aboard starships. So uh, we're going to take our final commercial break of the evening, guys. And uh, we're not done talking about Star Trek Discovery, so don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHearts, 
Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. So we're going we're gonna to be going into some really heavy-duty uh, spoiler zone. So I have to warn you. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. So, I guess I should have played that earlier. (laughs) But, oh well. So there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about uh, for this episode specifically. One of them which I really want to dive into, is Calypso. I think mm-hmm. that this episode, it ties into Calypso in just so many ways. First of all, we get to see the birth of Zora in this episode. And when I heard the voice, the computer voice, I immediately I said, oh, my God, it's Zora. She, she's alive now. Um, I think she's been alive the whole time, but she's been acclimating to being in discovery and just getting her her feel for things and now she revealed herself and uh, i wanted to find out what did you got think about zora actually uh, because now the discovery is actually now a living entity it's more than just a ship now and uh, i wanted to get mm. you guys' thoughts on that mm-hmm. yeah it's really well, it's really special hey go ahead charles you go first I was going to say they took up so much of that library. (laughs) And it's the first time that we've actually had the library actually connect to the ship itself. So with this library being so huge that I think it was a point that we – the library had to reach a point where it could communicate with the ship itself. And I think he's, they're now trying to help the crew out. It's like the crew helped it survive. It's, their, it's the computer's turn now to try helping the crew out. I think it's going to get an interesting computer system to discovery. Oh, I and, and of course, playing the um, the black and white movies on the um, shuttle deck was kind of like what she did for Kraft uh, with the funny face uh, thing in the Calypso episode, which I thought mm-hmm. was a cool tie-in. Yeah. I, wanted to, I, I wanted to ask you guys, what did you think about this, this dinner party that uh, Saru had? Um, I loved it, and it reminded me of the way our, my Thanksgiving dinners go, if it's not for COVID and I can actually be with my family, which I can't this year, but um, it reminded me of your typical family gathering where there's squibbles and there's fights and, and it turns into a nightmare and everybody's upset and fighting with each other and they all run away, blah, 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 blah. And then they make up later. What did you guys think about that whole scenario? It's what Tilly calls a Tuesday in her family, right? I mean, I, I really, 
I really thought that that was one of the best scenes in this episode because um, Zora was right, I think, to suggest that a bringing together of folks to kind of do some sort of ritual together um, was absolutely necessary. I, I, you know, one of the very strong threads, and Jim, you were talking about this with Dr. Colbert throughout this whole episode, is that everybody is not mentally okay. They have now jumped a thousand years into the future and all their families are dead. All the people they ever knew were dead. They don't have a federation even to hang on to as a, as a spot to moor their ship. And so, you know, they're really feeling kind of lost right now. And I think one, that's probably one of the, the, the strongest parts of this episode is, is, is that concept of um, trying to, you know, find, find some sort of thing to hold on to um, when you don't have anything to hold on to. Um, I really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I thought the dinner, the dinner was a good scene to add in there. What, what do you think was, about the dinner? Nate? Did we lose Nate? No, you didn't lose me. All right, oh, there so is. Uh, okay. the dinner. Um, the uh, immediately when when he hosted it, Thanksgiving dinner was. It, what I thought of, and I was like, well, we're coming up on Thanksgiving anyway, so it was it was kind of uh, their their filming schedule or the release of the show ended up uh, lining up with it pretty well. Uh, I did to me the uh, the conflict seemed a little forced. Uh, I I understand okay she uh, that uh, Detmer is probably going through some PTSD. Uh, uh, on right now, but the way the the like Jim just mentioned, they're they're trying to you know they they're dealing with a sense of loss and such. But this is uh, what episode was this? Is this episode four uh, or yeah. three? Yeah. Um, so four. they haven't four. Uh, four. Okay, so they haven't. I I think that this episode would have been more fitting, or at least this B plot, uh, because obviously the trail stuff is a plot. Uh, this B plot issue, I think, should have been a little later on um, in the in the series, and uh, where yes, they're like Jim was saying, they're they've lost the Federation, they're they're out here by themselves, they've lost all their family. Um, it seemed too early to be dealing with that. It to me, it should have been a couple more episodes down the road that they would have been feeling this loss. Um, but so, but remember, but, that, remember that we're dealing with really short seasons here too, though. So see, like episode four, we're a third of the way through the season already. So, you know, it's like back in the day when we had 26 episodes, if you were eight or nine episodes in, that's about when you might see this type of storyline show up. And I feel like these days, because they have a limited number of episodes, they're just packing they're they're almost forced to pack all of this extra stuff into every single episode just to move the ball forward. But I don't that, know if that's that may be the case. But but still, because it's a linear, we're we're dealing with linear episodes this time. It's not that long ago that they had just left Earth uh, to go to Trill. Um, so so, and it's still not that long since episode. Since episode one, I just think that even with the condensed episodes, this B plot should have been something that was further on. 
But you know what? You got to remember one thing. You, there's one thing you got to remember. Cake is eternal, and that, that's that's that's, <laughs> that's the word. I think it's clear that Star Trek right now is going to places that they haven't really explored that much. Like this whole concept of even talking about people's mental health. I think has maybe been touched on here and there, maybe in, uh, you know, I mean, I think of like the siege of AAR 558 or whatever it is from DS9 where, you know, they they lay pretty heavily into the PSD, PTSD concept and exploring that a little bit. Other than that episode and maybe a handful of others, they haven't really gone into the mental health aspects of Starfleet crew members too much. So I think that is an interesting uh, change or update to the latest Star Trek. It feels like they're paying attention to things that they didn't pay as much attention to in the past. So, what about Giorgio? What, what do you guys think is going on with her? Because she's something's going on with her. I mean, she's she's there. Are you talking about her attitude at the dinner? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, her. she's always been kind of aloof like that, hasn't she? Yeah. I mean, at this point, yeah. I, think I, kind of, I kind of feel like she's getting a little tropey at this point. I hope they do something more interesting with her because aside from the cool fight scene in that one episode, they haven't really done much with her character at this point. And she's getting a they, little they probably realize that the, they, they probably realize that they don't have anything for her to do. And by the way, yeah. where the heck was Jet? Why wasn't she at the at the dinner? Isn't she part of the 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 special crew of of everybody? Yeah. Saru said he yep. let everybody off. So why wasn't she at dinner? <laughs> yeah. Good well, call. Um, well, depending on when they um, the actress herself is dealing with a lot of of uh, medical issues, and depending on yeah. when they filmed that particular episode. Um, that might have been when she was unavailable. Uh, I don't know if they filled the uh, how they filmed them, if they were chronological order, did they film the dinner first, whatever. But um, Jet the, the Tignatero was unavailable for a few episodes due to a medical emergency in her family. So that might be one of those episodes. I, I don't know for a fact, but that might be. But she, you're right. She should have been there. And spo- I'm, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Um, you, you want to watch tonight's episode. You want to see some good Giorgio stuff, Eric. So that's all I'm going to say. Um, but back to okay. Corso. Good. Um, a question that I have, I still have. We had this when we saw Calypso, but now the question's even even bigger. When we when Kraft finds the Voyager, I'm sorry, the Voyager, the Discovery <laughs> floating in the uh, in the. Asteroids. I'm in the asteroids. Oh my God! I'm confusing. Oh my God! He's going crazy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, because I got I got thrown on my mind. That's what it is. But um, anyways, when they find him in the nebula, she tells Kraft that she's been waiting for a thousand years for the crew. Now I've heard multiple um, theories as to why she says this, Um, but it doesn't really make sense to me because. You know, originally the, the discovery jumps a thousand years in the future. So maybe when they wrote that, they knew they were going to jump a thousand years in the future. So that's the number they gave her to say, which made sense at the time. 
But now that discovery is there, and now that we see Zora born, actually, that thousand-year number that she throws out at Kraft doesn't fit unless she's a thousand years beyond the point where we see it in this episode, which would be 2,000 years in the future. You follow unless, me? Unless, Jim, unless Philippa Giorgio steals the discovery and goes back in time to be part of Section 31, and then the discovery has to wait a 1,000 years to pick up the crew again in the future. And by that time, Zora is fully evolved. Mike drop. Well, <laughs> well, wait a second. Wait, because this, this, this rolls me into my second theory that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Because I heard another fascinating theory, which I, I just wanted to talk to you guys about. And that is that Discovery is now currently in the Kelvin timeline. It wasn't originally. It did not start in the Kelvin timeline. However, as you guys know, when, when we use the spore drive and we start jumping around and we have this time machine crystal thing, we already know that there's multiple universes. We know that already. And uh, is it possible that Discovery ended up in the Kelvin universe a thousand years in the future? And that's why well, things are so radically different. And and when you see tonight's episode, we'll have more to talk about. But um, what do you think? Do you think – because we heard stories about – now that Paramount is back together and we're going to have Paramount Plus instead of CBS All Access, so now Star Trek is all under one roof again. We don't have to have the Kelvin timeline. We don't have to have the TVs. They're now all one. And being one, they have to be unified somehow. So what do you guys think? What do you think? What do you think, Nate? Do you think that they, they jumped the discovery into the Kelvin timeline and that way, if they ever get around to making movies with Chris Pine and the rest of them, they will fit right into the into the ethos that, that is current Star Trek, or is that just some crazy fan theory? That's some crazy fan theory. There is no way that they're in, in, in that timeline. Um, they never, never could have started and uh, in that timeline because the original thing was they said it was 10 years before Kirk. Well, if you line up 10 years before Kirk, then you would have had to backtrack uh, from the years of Kirk in the Kelvin timeline if, if they wanted to link it to the Kelvin timeline. Um, there's no way that also uh, – I'll, I'll, I think this is the biggest proof that it's not in, in the Kelvin timeline is that one of the trills, uh, symbiotes – or not symbiotes, but the trills in the past, Senatal – or not Senatol, they're um, but was standing next to Senatol is a uh, a, ca- a Federation captain in a Picard era uniform. So are you then saying that that uh, Picard is uh, in the Kelvin timeline? I, I I don't I don't think it is. That's that's oh, the okay. biggest evidence that I think on screen that that cannot be the case. What do you think? What do you think, Eric? 
Yeah, I 100% agree with Nathan on this one. I think there's too much evidence to the to the contrary. And I also don't think that, despite the fact that they're both properties, I really don't think that CBS wants to take Discovery to the point where they're connecting it necessarily to the Kelvin timeline. Um, I feel like if they're going to do that, they're going to do it and they're going to resolve it in a movie and not necessarily in this television show. Um, and I'm not sure it's ever actually going to be resolved because honestly, I feel like a lot of that has to do with actor availability. And I, I, despite the fact that we've talked about it quite a bit on this show, what would it be like without Chris Pine? I don't think they'll do it without Chris Pine. Um, and I don't, I don't think he's going to show up in discovery. So, um, I mean, I know he doesn't have to show up in discovery. It could be Kelvin timeline, 33rd century, but yeah, I, I agree with Nathan. I think there's too much evidence to the contrary. I think we're still in our normal prime timeline. Well, Charles, you get to bring Kukus up on this one. What do you think? I'm going to back up a Nate on this. I think there's too much. I did see that definite Starfleet uniform in there in, <coughs> in with the host. And I would definitely think, yeah, that's that's more prime universe, not Kelvin universe. So, yeah. Unless I know you're telling me, CBS. Uh, unless CBS is telling us that P- Picard is not in uh, in our normal timeline, because that uniform is there, uh, there is no way. No way. Well, and the whole idea of the time suit is that it travels back and forth, I think, within the – well. I mean, I guess in order for that to be the case, Discovery would have had to have always been in the Kelvin timeline because, remember, the time suit just travels back and forth, and they don't say anything about, you know, jumping universes or multiverses. Her mom is in the future of the same timeline that she's in, um, and it's the same timeline that exists when Michael is a child also, which then also connects back to Spock's childhood. So, yeah, too much evidence to the contrary. Well, they do say... They do say that, that the time suit and Discovery hit a, a uh, I forgot the name, a magnetic pulse or whatever it was when they were traveling through the wormhole, which caused a disruption, which threw them off course. And when they get through, Terranesium isn't where it's supposed to be, and nothing is where it's supposed to be. So, um, you know, they they don't necessarily have to be where we thought they were going to be or where well, we were told they, don't, they were going to be. They, they don't show up where they're supposed to show up, but they certainly know galactic coordinates because they are able to navigate to places like Earth and Trill. So it's not like all the planets are messed up or things are in weird places. They just end up not where they expect. They don't end up at Terralisium, essentially. They just end up, they end up about the same time that they're supposed to end up, uh, but they just don't end up in the right location. And, of course, they're separated by a year, Michael and the ship. Right. Well, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. This is Star Trek. Anything is possible. <laughs> we'll have to see. But uh, I said if there's Calypso, no bodies. <laughs> um, in Calypso, we hear about the Vidresh. And we hear about mm-hmm. the Vidresh in Discovery as well. But, uh, you know, looking at that thousand-year t- 
time difference that we were just talking about, um, the Federation, well, we know that the Vidresh is the Federation. They confirmed that in episode two, right? Yeah, they absolutely confirmed that. And the thing is, is that if Calypso and season three were separated by a thousand years, then that would mean that Michael failed in her mission, essentially, because there's still this war going on with the Vidresh. And I'm assuming that what we're going to see in Season 3 here is some sort of reuniting of the Federation or rebooting of the Federation. So I'm of a mind to think that Calypso is set around this time, which makes me wonder about Discovery traveling back in time, maybe, to give Zora her thousand years to evolve. I just thought it was so cool that the scene where she starts to evolve in this episode was the, she starts to evolve because Saru keeps asking her questions that the computer itself can't answer, right? He's like, no, you're giving me crappy answers. I need an answer that has something to do with this. And then all of a sudden the computer changes into Zora and gives him a different type of answer that has more compassion associated with it. You know, it's not just spitting out facts, uh, so I thought that was really cool. That was one of my favorite scenes. That was cool. That that was neat. And, and, and uh, we got to see all the repair droids too, the dots all over the place, dots, which they yeah. keep showing in the in the credits. And now you get to see them all over the place, fixing the hole and doing this and doing that, and which was neat. But um, I have to tell you, there's still yeah. a couple of special effect things that impress me in this show too, and they're it's all the little details. Like everybody knows they can do spaceships really well and that kind of stuff, but the two kind of things that really impress me, special effects wise, is at one point they zoom way in on Detmer's face. It's when Culber is checking her out and she's doing jump rope in the gym there, and they zoom way in on Detmer's face and they show her makeup really, really, really up close in high definition. And it looks amazing. Like, you cannot see the line between her makeup and her actual face. So I just am super impressed with that. And then that scene that you were just talking about, Jim, where you see the droids, the dots, out on the the hull. Just the Aztecing on the hull and the actual shape of the hull plating, so much detail. And I love that kind of bronzy, coppery color that the, the Discovery has as opposed to kind of the, the white hulls of the TNG era, this looks more realistic to me. I don't know. I really like that bronze look to the Discovery hull. Now, do you think that the, the now that the Discovery is a thousand years in the future, do you think they're going to get some technical upgrades and they're going to get new uniforms and new weapons and new phasers and new transporters? Because if you notice, the transporters now, they transport instantaneous from location to location, and they're just about silent. They don't have that classic transporter sound. They're just going to poof, and, they, and you're gone. And Discovery <laughs> still uses the old style with the transporter sound. You think they're going to upgrade the ship, and are they going to keep their uniforms and stuff, or they, you think they're going to upgrade them? I don't know. What do you think, Charles? I, I think they're going to upgrade them. I think they may upgrade, but I think they've got to get a little more settled into dealing with the modern era first. Yeah. I think they've got to get past their prime directive first and then kind of work into... Because that was the Earth who had that one. Does everybody have that similar transporter technology? Or is that specific to 
well, a lot uh, on Earth. We're not sure what all they've got capable well, of actually, at this point. Spoiler alert, yeah. Um, so, anyways, before we run out of time here, Charles, what was the overall fan score for this episode? Well, we started off with about an 8.3. After taking a couple of outliers out, it's two, which is okay. about the lowest, so, lowest of the first four episodes so far. So the fans gave it an 8.2. I'd like to ask Christy what she thought, but we lost her, so we can't ask Christy. But we'll start off with Nate. Nate, scale of 1 to 10, what would you give this episode? Forget me not. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at around a six. Six. Okay. Eric. Uh, I'm going to give this one a 7.5. It was a nice, comfortable episode. Uh, nothing too profound or epic, but I really liked the way the story moved along. So 7.5 for me. How about you, Charles? Well, I think we got to learn a little bit more about our crew. And a little more, I think I like the trail part of it. I think I'd go with a good eight on this one. Eight? Yeah, I'm I'm going to be, I think, 8.5, I think. I, I There was enough about it that I really enjoyed. And uh, like I said, the trail, Dr. Culber, Adira, I really like Adira. So um, I'm going to go with an 8.5. And uh, I want to let you guys know that you can tune in catch myself and the one and only Leslie Hoffman Sunday at seven o'clock for stunt Trek. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about on the show. I haven't gotten with Leslie to get a topic set up, but it doesn't matter. Join us here. Same bat time, same bat channel and hang out with me and Leslie on Sunday night. I know uh, we, we usually end up talking somehow about planet of the apes. It always comes into every conversation that we have, but, um, yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll hang out and have some fun. So you guys want to tune in for that? Same phone number, same everything. So hang out with me and Leslie on Sunday night. And uh, next week, Truck Talking, we'll be back, and we'll be doing the episode that was on tonight, episode 5, Die Trying, and episode 11, chapter 11 of The Mandalorian, which will be on tomorrow. And uh, so we'll, we'll be back with you guys. Uh, now, Thanksgiving Day, I, I don't think we're going to be doing a show on Thanksgiving Day. Are you, you guys going to do a show on Thanksgiving Day? No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not going anywhere. I can't leave the state, so I I, I, I will be home, uh, so I could. But um, to you guys, uh, if you want to or not. If we want to we, we want to skip a week, that's fine. If we don't, that's fine. Uh, I guess we'll talk about it and we'll get it posted on our Facebook page, whatever we decide to do. Sound like a plan? Or do we just want to cancel it outright right now? What do you what do you want? To, what do you think? Uh, I probably oh, won't be able to. It. Oh. So we'll just we'll just cancel the show. Sure. We'll have to double up All on right. episodes. Yeah, so there won't be a show on Thanksgiving. So, yeah. We'll just be, be, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. And anyways, so there won't be a show on Thanksgiving night, guys. You heard it here. You heard it live. So I want to take this opportunity to thank Christy for calling in. It was great to hear from Christy. Thank you so much 
for all your wonderful posts and all the support you give us on Facebook. And thank you so much for calling, Christy. We really appreciate it. And also thank you to Nate for hanging out with us and talking about Star Wars and Star Trek. Thank you, Nate. You're welcome. And, of course, thank you to the one and only Charles. Couldn't do the show without Charles. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. Always enjoy talking Trek and Trek and beyond. It is, it is fun, isn't it? And, of course, last but not least, Eric, thank you for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight, Eric. You bet, guys. I had a blast. Thanks very much. It's always fun. And I, and I love it when we have fans call like Christy. Thank you so much for calling. So, anyways, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I want to say to everybody to uh, please be safe this holiday and uh, please be good to each other. And hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Night, y'all. Good morning, Prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.